Hi, everybody. Welcome to Coach's Corner. Well, here we are. I'm recording this on November 6th. In the U.S., we still don't know who the president is. And across the globe, this has been a very traumatic year. And I'm not using that word in an exaggeration kind of way. This year has been one challenge after another expectation hangover after another fill in the blank. And I think that a lot of us, you, are suffering from a little PTSD and not knowing who won, seeing the reactions of both sides is just causing more uncertainty and more tension. It's like, let's just get it over with so we know who we're dealing with and we can move forward. And here we are again in more uncertainty. That seems to be the word of 2020, uncertainty. And I feel like I'm just repeating myself so much in saying that this is just such the year to deal with what comes up for you when uncertainty hits. I think we keep hoping for a break, wanting a change, wanting something outside of us to be different. We're learning more and more that our internal state, our internal experience is all that we can truly control. So I know that our outside world may not go back to normal anytime soon, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's a lot of work to do as we shift the consciousness of the planet. So strap in because my gut says we're in for a lot more twists and turns. I wrote about this in my newsletter this week that I feel the world, especially the United or rather the divided states is in a healing crisis. And if you've ever done a detox, you know that your symptoms get worse before they get better. That's called a healing crisis. It's like all the toxins are coming up and out. So you feel more sick sometimes. I, I've had that happen to me when I got my infrared sauna, for example, and I was detoxing a lot. I was like, why am I having all these headaches? Why am I feeling so awful? It's because I was going through a bit of a healing crisis. The, the, the crap was coming out. And from my perspective, that's what we're going through, especially here in the U.S. The, the crap is coming up so it can get out. You know, things are in a lot of ways getting worse. Corruption's being exposed. Old paradigms are crashing down. The isms are no longer being tolerated and more and more people are being invited, sometimes forced to face their own shadows and unresolved issues in order to wake up to new levels of consciousness. And I want to remind you that as you're going through all of this, that you are a sovereign being. You have the power within you to heal whatever is being triggered inside of you and to pull back from what's happening in the external world and create calm in your internal world. Now, I know that may seem totally out of reach. Like how in the world can I feel calm inside my body with everything that's going on in the world? A book I encourage you to grab right now is Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Such a fitting read right now. He was a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp and he was a psychiatrist and he saved himself by controlling his thoughts. And even though he was in a horrific situation, he did not give up the freedom of his mind, the freedom to think what he wanted to think. And know that sovereignty is not selfishness. I don't want you to think that when I'm saying we're sovereign beings, that I'm encouraging you to just be selfish and not care about what other people are going through and not care about what's happening in the world. Sovereignty is not being disconnected from your fellow human being or being oblivious to the suffering that so many are enduring or your own suffering. Sovereignty is embodying the truth that you are free and the only one in charge of your thoughts, feelings, and actions. 
We repeat that. You are free and the only one in charge of your thoughts, feelings, and actions. It's a way to feel empowered so that you can help empower others. We help others the most through empowering them, not saving, fixing, or enabling them. So it's so many people on this planet, especially here in the U.S. as we're going through what we're going through, is we need to learn how to empower people, not make people victims, not make people dependent on something outside of them, but true empowerment. I think that with shifts in consciousness, that will happen more and more. I have faith that this healing crisis is part of the shift this planet needs. And I know that for so many of you, this is just really, really hard. So make time to feel your feelings. As I always say, hit a pillow, scream, journal, and then step into that sovereignty. Come back inside yourself. And no matter what happens in the external world, just know that you have that internal freedom. And that's part of how we shift consciousness. You know, if we collectively could shift consciousness to get in a much higher vibration than the presidency currently exists at, I mean, it's pretty low. Imagine what we could do collectively. My hope is that we hopefully move away from a two-party system and like one person having so much power. I think that as humans and consciousness evolves, systems need to evolve too. Democracy probably needs to evolve in some ways, as well as keeping some of the fundamental principles in place here in America, like freedom. And again, freedom doesn't mean F you (laughs) to people who are struggling or suffering. Freedom actually supports us in being sovereign beings. And when individuals don't feel free and they feel compressed, that's where we see things like violence and separation and a whole host of other things. So like I said, feel your feelings. I know this is hard, but you are a light worker. Otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. By that, I mean, you are someone who's committed to shifting the consciousness of this planet to move us more out of shadow and more into light. So do your part to shift as much into love and to gratitude, to acceptance and to compassion and empathy as much as possible, even if it's just five minutes a day, because that you're making your energetic contribution to a new level of consciousness. So I have a beautiful guest on the show today. She's been a friend of mine for a while. Her name is Samantha Skelly. She's a seven-figure entrepreneur, sought-after speaker, best-selling author, and wellness expert. She founded both Hungry for Happiness, a movement that helps people experience true transformation through trained certified coaches, and Pause Breathwork, which has a mission to unite humanity by helping people breathe, feel, and thrive. And she's going to take you through a little breathwork exercise in our talk today. Samantha has revolutionized the weight loss and self-help industries by examining the individual and underlying causes of food, body, and self-love issues. You can check her out on the popular Hungry for Happiness podcast and her best-selling book, Hungry for Happiness. And you can get to all of that when you go to her website, hungryforhappiness.com. And now on to my interview with Sam. Sam, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited to share you with my audience because you are an expert on something, both through your training and your life experience that so, so, so many of my listeners, especially women, but men too, really deal with, which has to do with emotional eating, eating disorders, looking for comfort in food. So before we get into the things you're going to teach us today and maybe even take us through a little process, I wanted to ask if you'd share a little bit of your story as to how you got to where you are today as someone who's a coach and an advocate for people taking much better care of themselves and really understanding how to do that. Mm, Absolutely. So I grew up as a dancer and a child actress. So I was on camera, on the stage all the time. And because of the nature of entertainment and being a performer, I put a lot of pressure on my body. I I didn't realize it at the time, but now I know I was I was constantly ingesting messages of unworthiness all the time. And I I can remember lying in the bathtub being 12 years old and looking down at my, at my body and just being like, Oh God, I just like, Oh, I'm disgusting. I'm gross. And it was interesting because I was just a normal 12 year old girl. And so I finished my dancing career and acting career around 18 years old. And I moved to Australia and I remember lying on the beach thinking to myself, Oh God, I need to, I need to start dieting. I I am terrified of gaining weight. And you know, the messages that I got as a young kid and whether you're a dancer or not, these messages are just, you know, embedded in the, in the oxygen of, of, of what we breathe every single day of, of, you know, having a certain type of body. And so I really, I really, uh, that, that was a lot of pressure on me. And so the first diet that I went on was the cabbage soup diet, which I'm, I'm sure your audience is familiar with this one. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> and from that moment, I could not stop restricting food and over-exercising. So I dealt with food addiction, food restriction, exercise addiction, and I ended up finding myself in the hospital because I wasn't... I wasn't nourishing my body to the degree that it needed to. Mm. And that was sort of my, God, it it, it was, it was the moment where I, I was like, wow, I'm really in this. Like I am really consumed with this issue. It is taking up my entire life, but there was something in me that I'm like, I, but I can't stop doing this. Like it was a true addiction. And I, I realized in that those moments that, everything that I did revolved around like my, like food and body. My mind was consumed with just destructive messages of how I'm not good enough. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to gain weight and all all of this stuff. And it was crazy because Mm I, I was the same size I am now. And so that just goes to show body dysmorphia is a real thing. Like I would look in the mirror and I would I would be convinced I was, I was obese, even though I was the same size I am now. And so distortions that the mind creates were just a a very real thing. And so I was an expert at masking and hiding this obsession and this addiction. So I became a personal trainer 
And so everyone was like, oh, Sam's just really, you know, committed and, and dedicated to fitness. And really the distortion underneath that was I, I, I did that because I was terrified of not working out constantly all day long. Mm. Then I became a fitness competitor. And so I put on that dang sparkly bikini and strutted my butt around everywhere. And, you know, again, it was like the, an, another bid for validation and, and to, to feel that I'm worthy. And so all of these desperate attempts were to fulfill these emotional needs. And I didn't know at the time that's what I was doing. It wasn't about my body. It wasn't about food. And so I got to a point where I'm like, this has got to stop. I have to stop doing this. It is stripping my life force away. I am so depleted energetically. I am so at war with myself. I don't even recognize myself anymore. And so I began to think about what I needed to do in order to, to heal from this. And I went about it in a very masculine way. I was thinking about how to get out of my eating disorder. I was strategizing. I was making a checklist every day. I was doing all these things. I was measuring my food to make sure that I got enough calories, all of these things, and nothing was working. And so a lot of people would say, Sam, you just need to meditate and get into your body. But I would try that. And being silent with myself and my thoughts was just not available at all. Like it actually felt really unsafe to be in my body because I, I, I was spending all of my time trying to get out of my body. So mm-hmm. embodied was like really scary for me. And so meditation was like not available at that time. So I was, I was reading Elizabeth Gilbert's eat, pray, love. And she talked about how she went to Bali and went to that medicine man. Do you remember that? Did you read that book? Uh (laughs) Yep. And I actually went to crazy medicine man in Bali who poked me with a stick so hard. I thought I was going to die and then gave me this thing to drink. And I don't know, I drank it. I don't know what I was thinking. I was young, a lot younger thinking, all right, like what did I just drink? Am I going to die from all this? But anyway, yeah, been down that road. Good thing it wasn't ayahuasca. (laughs) (laughs) Drink this random liquid. So I wonder if it was the same dude. So I went to this guy's house. I jumped on the back of a scooter and I raced through the streets of Bali and I, and I found myself at this house. And again, yeah, he was poking me with sticks and he said in his beautiful broken English, he said, your brain is broken. (laughs) He's like, you think too much. You think too much. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I know. And no one's ever told me that ever. (laughs) (laughs) He even said, he said, you got to meditate. And I'm like, Oh God, are you kidding me? Like, okay, fine. So I went to this place called the yoga barn, which is an Ubud in Bali. And I, and I tried to go to this meditation class. I ended up missing the meditation class. And the next class on the schedule was a breath work class. And I read it on the, on the, you know, on the agenda. And I was like, what is a breath work class? Like just breathing. And I could see it was a three hour class. I'm like, you want me to breathe for three hours? That's crazy. But I'm like, you know what? I'm here. I flew all the way to Bali. I'm going to do this. So I walk up the steps into this class and there's this man there and he's, he's dressed all in white. He looks like Jesus. And he came up to me and he said, are you ready to go on the ride of your life? And I looked at him and I was like, what is this guy? What is, what does this guy mean? And he said to me, you are going to feel emotions in your body that you may have never felt. You are going to feel sadness and you're going to feel joy and you'll cry and all these things. And this was at a time in my life where 
the two things I could feel in my body were either numbness or anxiety. Like I, I would feel numb. So then I would exercise to feel something or I'd eat to feel something and, or I would feel anxious and I would eat to numb. And it was just, those were the, I, I toggled between those two experiences. So for this man to say, I, I would experience all of these things. I was like, that's crazy. I don't know about that. But I lied down and I started breathing in the breath pattern that he taught. And within a few moments, my body started to feel alive and awake. I, I, my mind was clear and I, I, I had no idea what that felt like for so long. Cause I had such a busy mind and I could feel what self-love actually felt like not the idea of self-love of, you know, having a bath or getting right. a bath, but like mm-hmm. the actual felt sense of this infinite energy, like flooding through every single cell of my body. It was just like the most incredible experience. And so I, I then bawled my eyes out and I had no idea what I was crying about, but I didn't care in that moment. I just let myself just emote and cry and just release. And then three hours later, I woke up from this experience and I I just said to him, I'm like, what was that? And he was like, you experienced who you actually are. You experienced your truth. You're not living under these projections and these lenses and these beliefs. You're not filtering life through your mindset and your conditioning. You're, you're just experiencing yourself. And I said to him, I was like, why does not everyone know we could do this just through our breath? This is so insane. And so being the, the nerdy student that I am, I just researched everything I possibly could about breathwork. And this was 10 years ago when people were not really talking about it. I, I mean, even now people are, are just beginning to under, like just beginning to hear it, I guess. And so I, I researched and then I, I took every certification on the market and I, I just did everything that I could. And I used it every day, every single time I felt emotional pain, Every single time I wanted to overexercise, every single time I wanted to use food as a drug, every single time I felt depleted, exhausted, anxious, overwhelmed, I would use my breath and I would get back into this very peaceful, loving place. And it made me realize that the healing that I needed was within each breath. It wasn't externalizing an internal problem. And so I realized that, wow, within me were little inner children, little parts that just needed my love and my attention and my appreciation and doing that work helped me heal from Mm. the eating versus, you know, trying to fix the problem. So I think that's such a key distinction and it's something that I'm very mindful with on the show because some on, on weekends I have another expert like you come and talk about something, but during the week it's a coaching episode where I'm answering a question and coaching to someone. And we're usually getting to you know, kind of what's the core issue that has perpetuated this. So it's a connect the dots, give them insight, but just the information alone never changes things. Often the compassion that I bring and the conversation we have and any work we do on the show, if they're talking to younger parts of them can be helpful. But I have found that healing, it's not like just one thing, at least it hasn't been for me. I needed the awareness. I needed the kind of psychology therapy, but then I also needed the experiential somatic work, breath work, the things that weren't having me directly work on the problem. 
but we're shifting me energetically into a different state because I'm always reminded of Einstein's quote, you can't solve a problem at the level it was created. And so many of our core issues are created when we're in uh, a feeling or frequency of fear, of judgment, of shame, of pain. And something like breath work moves us into an entirely different frequency. So we quote unquote fix the problem by getting out of the energetic that the problem was created. Mm. And that's one of the many reasons I love breath work. I'd love for you to share, because a lot of people are familiar with it, because Steph's a breathwork facilitator too, and we've been doing a lot of free breathwork sessions for people, and we do it at all our events. So some listeners are familiar. But for those that are not, can you explain what exactly breathwork is and how it works? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when we look at the body or our experience, if we are just in our you know, mind, we have three pieces of, of us that is communicating at this essentially at the same time, right? So we have our, our structured ordinary mind, which is full of judgments, fears, doubts, trying to keep us safe, create separation, et cetera, et cetera. Then we have, so that's the first pillar, the, the mind. Then the second pillar is our emotionality, all of our sensations, all of our contractions, expansions, all of our ruptures in our system, the parts of us that, that need our love, it's all of the, the essentially sensations, energetics in the body. Then underneath that, we have our, our truth, our intuition, our clarity. And so when I was going through my eating disorder, listen to your intuition, but my intuition was to, was so packed down on top of all of these layers of like intense mm-hmm. emotion, in my mind that I had no access to it. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't feel that clear yes or that clear no in the body. It was very confusing. And so breath work allows the mind to unhook. It allows the the energy in the body to shift out of the way. It allows the personality, the ego, everything to just move. So we have direct access to this truth, to this knowing in our body that, that is always there. We all have it. It's just covered up by layers and layers and layers of emotions and fear and judgments that is creating a lot of confusion and just unclarity in the body. And so can we get there through meditation? Absolutely, we can, but it takes a lot of practice. So when we are using the breath, the the mind is what inhibits us from getting into that place the most. Mm -hmm. So we're releasing the mind. We're shifting the, the, the chemistry in the body to allow the mind to take a little bit of a backseat so that we can have more access to our intuition. And one, when we're in that place, we can ask our body any question and we can, we're so, the clarity in the answers is, is right there. It's so close. And so I love doing meditation after breath work. So once I unhook my mind, once I clear a lot of the residual energy in my system, some of which is mine, some of which I've taken on from, you know, just like the collective consciousness, which there's a lot of like (laughs) thickness. Well, 2020, everyone, you're welcome. Right. Mm -hmm. There's just a lot. So so when I, when I can use my breath and I can use that exhale to release and let go a lot of that stagnant energy and I'm breathing in more of who I am, then I can reach that place of truth, which allows me to just settle there. And so 
the more we do breath work, the more, the easier we have access to our intuition and the more well being we bring into the body. And so why I love breath work is we can really create energetic stability in the system by constantly giving ourselves access to that, in, that intuitive, clear place. And the more that we do that, the body actually it does this beautiful thing. Like we remember, cause that's, that's what we're made of. We, we, we all know that, that, that feeling. And so the more access we give on a regular basis, the more that we can settle into that well being and therefore create deeper stabilization. I love that. I love that. And what exactly happens if you want to like geek out on biology for a moment, um, what exactly happens in the body with breath work that sort of helps us? Cause I know, I totally raise my hand to being a thinker and I've had so many people, whether it's a Balinese man with sticks or somebody, my, my good friends, my sister telling me, get out of your head, Christine. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm really trying, but, but I, breath work really for sure does it for me. Um, and, and it's not like a complete, it's not like I'm out of my head the whole time. And I've learned how to appreciate my mind and work with it and not see it as this evil part of me that's making me fail at self-love. Um, but I'd be curious if you can explain a little bit about the biology of breath work so that people that love the, the science and the logic part can understand how it's actually working to help us move out of that thinking, 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 thinking mind. Yeah, definitely. It's my favorite part. <laughs> so let's just, let's talk about it from a nervous system point of view to start with. So we have our sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight nervous system. So it is the, that is a very anxiety provoking being in that, especially chronically, like there, there's a time and place for that. But when we are chronically in that state, it depletes our body. It creates a lot of inflammation. It just, it, uh, we're basically telling our body we're in danger all the time. Mm-hmm. And then we have our, our, our parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest. It's where we can recalibrate, we decrease inflammation. We just, there's, there's a, a deep sense of relaxation. So what we're doing when we're doing breath work is we're actually loading the sympathetic so that we can have more access to the parasympathetic. So we're flooding our body. We're activating our amygdala, which is the center of our memory and emotion, the limbic system. So this is why we have deeper access to our emotions is because that part of our brain is intentionally being activated. And it allows us to tap into a, a, a whole storage of memory and emotion that we've suppressed. Now, for many people, they'll ask, why do I get visions? That's why. Because in our conscious, ordinary mind, we're not tapping into that part. The breath is actually helping us activate that part, which allows us to process emotion that's been suppressed for forever. Um, we're actually, we're shifting the, the pH levels in the blood as well, as well, making it more alkaline. So we're seeing things and feeling things in an, in an entirely new energy. So once, once we overload the sympathetic and we settle deeper into the parasympathetic, we can actually stabilize that more. And that, that's how we settle into deeper well-being and allowing our body to just rest there. We are we're living in a time now where we're constantly giving our body the signal that we're going to die, which is keeping us on fight or flight. Like we're all kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop, which is like, and especially right now in 2020, right? It's like, Oh God, what is the next thing? What is, what's going to happen next? Yeah. We're all yeah. embracing. It's like the body is 
hold, literally holding trauma and we're bracing ourselves because we're like, are we going to die tomorrow? Like what's going to, what's, what's happening right now? And so releasing, uh, releasing that trauma and bringing in more safety into the system allows us to, again, stabilize that frequency. I love that. And so much kind of interesting stuff happens in the body, whether it's hand cramping or weird twitches in places or energy moving, or I've had so many incredible um, experiences happen in, in breath work and it's so easy. And what I love too, who is it? Is it Wim Hof that says get high on your own supply? I love that quote. I think it's Wim Hof. And it's because I think so many people are running to do, I don't know, find some healer or do plant medicine. And I, I've done my fair share of plant medicine, not a lot. And Mm -hmm. I also know for people that are incredibly empathic, incredibly sensitive, incredibly kind of of the, that angelic light frequency, sometimes it's not great, especially if you're in a group setting and you can pick up other people's stuff and, and it's empowering, but it's also in some ways disempowering because it's a substance and you think kind of the substance is doing it for you. And then just like anything else, we can become dependent on that substance, which is why I, and again, I don't have a position on plant medicine either way. I think it's a very individually specific thing. There's no like one, Mm -hmm. one, one size fits all for that. But with breath work, I haven't really met, unless there's a physical condition, and we'll talk to that in a second, that, that being able to get high on your own supply Speak a little bit about why that's so empowering and breaks us out of so many of the conditioned beliefs that I need X to fix me. Yeah. So, so much of my philosophy and my mission is how can we disintegrate the dependency model and give the power back to the people? How can we create the frequency in our body using just our breath that we are trying to chase through money or position or whatever it is that we're, that we're chasing. That's a distortion. And so realizing that within each breath, we have the ability to feel the deepest states of fulfillment, self-love, contentment, peace. And when we look at all of the things that we're chasing in the world, we're realizing that we're not actually chasing the thing. We're chasing the the, the feeling we think the thing is going to give us. And so even with, you know, even with like work, right? What, what is tied into that, that you are wanting to fulfill? And can we fulfill that within the system first? You know, I call it repairing the rupture. How can we repair the rupture that that happened in childhood so that when we do go out and pursue things, we're not operating from a wound, creating further distortion, further fear, further chaos in our lives. Because when we're operating from the energy of I'm not good enough, I need to hustle for my worth and do all these things, we are just going to create more of that. And so when we can look at it holistically and really ask ourselves, what am I actually hungry for? What are the emotional needs that are not yet fulfilled? And how can I use my breath, my intention, my focus to really give myself that energy so that the actions that are taken in my external world are only coming from a place of alignment. Now I'm saying this, and this is a practice. Like I still do this every, every, every single day I'll do something and I'll ask myself, Sam, what was the intention behind that? Like, were you trying to get something? Were you trying to, uh, fulfill a need, seek validation, do something for significance or ego? And if so, all right, let's bring in compassion. Let's bring in kindness. That's one of my frozen parts in time that is trying to get their needs met. 
what does that piece actually need and how can I fill it in a more sustainable and effective way so that I don't need to take action out of this wound anymore. And this is, this is a constant evolving practice that we get to do if we choose to. And, and, you know, one of my, one of my friends, Chris Winfield says he works hard to make life easy. And when I look at this type of work, you can choose to do it and you can choose to not do it, but I choose to do it because it makes everything in my life easy. It makes everything make sense. I'm like, oh, okay, I am doing this because of this. And I, it's almost like I have this witness that is witnessing my humanness and sort of debunking all of the ways in which I'm out of alignment and sort of brings it back together with compassion. And so when I give these parts of me in my system, the, the energy, the, the medicine they need, I end up being a lot calmer, less reactive, and just have a lot more fun with life. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree because that I remember when I first learned, oh gosh, it must've been in my twenties about how I'm never chasing what I think I'm chasing. I'm chasing the feeling I think it will give me. I was like, oh, well, that, <laughs> well, that explains a lot. That explains a lot. And whenever I'm reaching for something outside of myself, one of my you know just simplest practice is just asking me and mostly little me, what do I need? You know, what do I need right now? And having that communication that I call between like your healthy adult parent inside and an inner child is so, so important. And often what we need is a state change and a different perspective. And breath work is a great entry point into that. And I'm going to ask you to guide us through just some, something short if you're willing, but before we do, so... I've been told by a couple trauma experts, because I used to think breathwork was okay for everyone, except if someone had a lung condition or some kind of physical condition where breathing fast or, or holotropically wasn't advisable. But I've also learned that, um, speaking with one of the leading trauma experts who's actually on my show, that it, it's not great, especially the faster pace breathwork, the, <sighs> that is not great for people that have had a lot of trauma because it can re reactivate the trauma because that fast breathing can reactivate the trauma. So could you speak a little bit about people that have trauma backgrounds and what they should be mindful of when it comes to breath work? Yes. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for bringing this up because this is a huge piece that the industry as a whole is not really uh, focusing on. So thank you for sharing this because it's really important. For people who have had a history of very in- intense trauma, causing them to sort of disassociate from their from their bodies, and then bringing them into a aggressive breath pattern that opens the body up, that person can, without being prepared, tap into old trauma that they have suppressed, and it can re-traumatize them and cause them t- to loop. So it can be very damaging. Now, is breath work an incredible modality for people who have trauma? Yes, but the way in which we support them needs to be really mindfully cared for. We have to slowly open up that window of tolerance. So we're, ex- we're exposing the system to sips of energy, not a dumping of energy. Because mm-hmm. if Pumping of energy comes and we activate the amygdala. It brings back memory and emotions of a time when they were four years old and they were sexually abused. 
that is really traumatizing for someone. However, when we take a gentler, more um, holistic path, and we start with integrative breath work versus meditative, and I'll explain what that means in a second, but integrative meaning slow. So the breath would be and we pause and we feel and we allow the energy to marinate through ourselves and we feel that shift in frequency and we check in with ourselves. We check in with our parts. Okay, let's go again. Let's try a little bit more. Maybe we do a minute of breath work every day for 30 days. And then the next 30 days, it's three minutes. And every day we are checking in with ourselves for safety because that's the most important thing. So integrative breath work is where we're, the mind is in its conscious state. We can do integrative breath work when we are working, when we're doing the dishes, when we're going for a walk. It does not take us into an altered state of consciousness. Meditative breath work is a breath pattern that is a little bit faster and I'll just share what it is now. <laughs> so this, the pacing is quicker. There is two deep breaths in first. So it gets deeper into the body and then a really powerful exhale. Now, when that breath is done over a long period of time, lying down, eyes closed with a mask on with, with tribal beats going on in the background, the body is going to have a much different experience than if we're doing the first breath pattern for say five minutes with slow music staying in a, in our waking state. Mm. So if someone is listening and you know, you've had a very traumatic background, get with a facilitator and do it slowly because it can't, you can work your way up. It can be one of the greatest things. But what I've seen happen is people go into breath sessions like this happened. Well, pre COVID, this would happen in LA. Like they would run these breath sessions of like 150 people and blast people out to the moon without knowing anything mm -hmm. about And it's just like, it's, it's not one completely unsafe. It's irresponsible. And it just, it, it's, it doesn't make sense to me. So what we, what I love doing is like really understanding what is your background? What has been like going on? Have you suffered trauma? And if so, beautiful, we're going to take this slower path and we're going to do it gradually. And we're going to slowly build up the tolerance and slowly open up the window so that the system feels safe and supported the entire time. Yeah. I, that that's so important. And, and I, you know, it's kind of like anyone that puts themselves in a facilitator role has an extra degree of responsibility of not just teaching the practice, but really mm -hmm. holding the space and container. And that's something we make sure of whenever we're facilitating breath work, if anyone has any trauma, just slow nervous mm -hmm. system, soothing breath breath. And we've yeah. had incredible healing happen at retreats when people that have had trauma have been in rooms with people doing breath work and there can be crazy sounds and stuff that can come out when people really get in a space and just them being able to be in that space and breathe and have us holding them and supporting them and reorientate like kind of what a quote unquote chaotic environment can look like has been incredibly powerful. So there's all kinds of ways to healing and we don't want anyone listening to feel like, well, if I've had a lot of trauma, I'm not ready to do the stronger some people may say more powerful form of breath work, then I'm never going to get better. Not true at all. You can mm -hmm. make so much progress through 
slow, simple breathing, like calming that nervous system down that helps rewire those neural pathways and helps the nervous system start to soothe and calm. So would you be willing to take us through um, just something brief and short just to get into Uh our breath? It can be Whatever you, your intuition is spot on. So whatever you think would be best to lead people through, especially, you know, this is airing the Saturday after the election here in the U S so, <laughs> so maybe something, I don't even know if we'll know by Saturday who won, like who knows, yeah, sure, but I'm, yeah. I'm sure that many people will be, well, they'll there'll just be some stress in the environment and probably some uncertainty and maybe some fear. So anything that you think would be soothing and useful for us right now. Beautiful. So in breath work, we can do top holds and we can do bottom holds. So top holds allow the body to have more access to life force energy, this sort of universal energy the light being realmy energy and then having a bottom hold connects us more to like the mother earth nurturing slow grounding energy um so my intuition is we need a little bit more of this like light being energy coming through and supporting our system we have access so much access but when we when we get too human and we get too like in this like third dimension we sometimes forget that there are beings and energies that can so support our human experience so let's do 90 seconds of the halo active breath which is in through the nose out through the mouth and there's a beautiful intent on both the inhale and the exhale and then after the 90 seconds let's take a really deep 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 breath in through the nose and hold at the top and as you're holding notice how the energy is sorting itself it's recalibrating the mind is becoming more clear and there's more access to higher realming energy Hmm. Wonderful. Perfect. All right. So if you're driving, don't do this exercise. Um, but any, everyone else can. All right. Just taking a deep breath in through the nose to start and relaxing, dropping the shoulders, closing the eyes, just taking a moment and just checking in with your body, checking in with your heart. And just setting a quick intention, whatever you want to call in, I am strong, powerful, peaceful, aligned, whatever feels best for you. And when you're ready, let's start the breath pattern together. Keeping that breath nice and strong, knowing that this is your breath, your body, your journey. So if you want to slow it down and deepen it, you are more than welcome to do so. Mm. 
That's it. Just letting the body and the breath do the work. Your body knows exactly what to do, where to guide. Beautiful. Just keeping that breath nice and strong, nice and powerful. When you are ready, taking a deep breath in through the nose, holding the breath at the top. Beautiful. Feeling as the energy settles in the body, as the mind becomes more clear. Feeling elevated lights, more connected to our life force energy. And when you are ready, releasing the breath whenever you're ready. And just coming back into your body, opening up the eyes. Welcome back. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how something so brief can create such a shift Can create so, such a shift. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. And I've, I've noticed, um, so back in the days where I used to have panic attacks, I breath didn't work for me. <laughs> it, it was almost like too much, even, even slow breathing. Um, but doing breath work while not in them, helped to reduce them, if that makes sense. Totally. So this is just a tool that's free that everyone has. And would you share a little bit more, Sam, about your new book, Hungry for Happiness? And I love the That's been the name of your brand for years. And I've just loved it because that's what we're hungry for. We're, hung, we're not hungry for potato chips or ice cream. We're hungry for happiness, joy, connection, contentment, creativity, all of those things. So would you share a little bit about your new book and the things that people can learn when they grab their copy? Absolutely. The book is part story, journey, and also very tangible and actionable tools that you can integrate. So it, it is it is a, a story, of course, but then every chapter, there's something to really tune into and really shift and really be mindful and bring awareness to. And so the, the story is the parts that I really battled with the most, things like perfectionism, things like the masks that I was wearing to protect myself from the world, like the people pleasing mask or the everything is awesome mask. The book help, helps people identify what are we actually hungry for? What do we really want? And how can we powerfully claim that and bring awareness to those parts of us that just really need support? You know, your listeners are, are of course, abreast of inner child because you're such an expert in that of like, how can we really tune into these little parts of us that are just begging for us to come home? The book is all about really 
finding this felt sense of home within the body, especially for people who have struggled with body shame their entire life. Like how can we, how can we really uproot and renegotiate the the relationship to our bodies, knowing that these, these incredible pieces of technology are just so wise and so beyond of the mind and the greatest gift that we can possibly give ourselves is the reconnection back into them. So how can we slowly, with a lot of care and attention, reintegrate ourselves back into our bodies to create a better experience of life, better experience of being a human? It's, it's, it's so sad that we've disconnected from, from them for so long. And I, I can tangibly feel the contrast from my early 20s when I was connected and numbed out to now where I feel absolutely everything with the tools to know how to deal with feeling everything. And a lot of it is, is how can I release self-sabotage as well? And I know for a lot of people who have been in the diet binge, uh, you know, over-exercising realm for a long time, that's a very real and scary thing for them of, of God, I don't want to do another thing because I'm just going to self-sabotage. Well, there's a very clever reason why the body goes into those patterns of self-sabotage, which I talk about and talk about how we can restructure our core beliefs so that we don't go into those patterns. So that's the book. And then also with that, there is a 21 day um, meditation breathwork series that people can go through as they read the book, which is completely free. It's one of the bonuses that come with the book. So that's all at hungryforhappiness.com slash book. Well, I have known you for years and I know your work and I know this book is going to be, will be, is, I'm saying that because I haven't gotten my copy yet. So I'm speaking in future tense, even though the book already exists and I know it is amazing. And so everybody, please go grab it because I think that you will feel seen. You will feel like you're not alone and you also feel really empowered. One thing that I really love about Sam is she's very accessible. She's an incredible teacher. She really does walk her talk, but she doesn't put herself on this pedestal at all. And she's incredibly relatable with her stories and just one of those people that loves people so deeply. So Sam, I acknowledge you for all the work that you've done, for taking off those masks, for letting yourself really be seen and to help people find out what they're truly hungry for. So thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. I so appreciate you. This has been so fun. (laughs) And just final thoughts here as we move into this month of November, which I am sensing is going to be, (laughs) it's going to be what it is, but it's not going to be one of those months that we just get to check out. We're going to be continued to be called for. And I've said since the beginning of this whole, whatever this is back in March, do your inner work because all the shadow stuff's coming up. It's coming up in the external world, politics, system, systemic injustices, all of those kinds of things. But if it's coming up out there, it's going to be triggered inside of you. So do your inner work. I'm curious what, just in parting words here, what do you think is most important for people to remember and, and do during this time when there's so much external stuff going on? Oh, this is such a juicy question. So I don't hang out in the neighborhood of depression often. My MO is more of like the anxious side of things. Mm -hmm. But Christine, the last week I was experiencing what I can identify as, as 
almost like experiences of feeling depressed a little bit, which is such an interesting experience for me. So I really got to be with that. And of course my, my mind was like, just get, just get out of it. You know how to do it. Just go, just go, just go. And what that was a call. And I don't know if, if it was like a little like experience of depression, I'm not sure, but it felt like this unbearable heaviness that I was holding in my body. And no matter what I did, I even tried to go play with puppies. No matter what I did, nothing was soothing it. And so I had this moment with my body and I'm like, okay, I am processing through something right now, which feels so intense. And I'm going to feel every ounce of it. And I'm going to be with this experience of the intensity and just see if there's a part of me that maybe can love it. And I did that for a few days and then it just became, I just committed to feeling it to the end without bypassing it or trying to spiritual develop myself out of it. And it was a, it was a beautiful opportunity in increasing my capacity for feeling. And so often our bodies are just calling for us to just be still and feel. And so with all of the chaos and all of the busyness and all of the everything, can we create little emotional dates with ourselves to just really feel and let off, let our parts tell us that they're scared. Let our parts tell us that they're frustrated and they're overwhelmed and it's all too much. And can we listen with an ear of compassion, not trying to rush the process, but just be in the experience of it. And that always for me is the path of lightness and, and growth. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think a lot of us are surprised the neighborhoods we're hanging out in, in terms of depression, anxiety, fear, um, anger, you know, that's been a big one too. And it's, it's all coming up for a reason. And that's not spiritual bypassing. That's the truth. (laughs) Things, things have to, uh, not have to, but most often get dark and get chaotic and fall apart before they're rebuilt. It's just the nature of this dimension that we live on right now, but hopefully we're even changing and evolving out of 3D reality. But that's a whole nother podcast. So we'll (laughs) have the alien podcast next. Yes, let's have that one next. We'll leave it right there for now. Um, Tell people the book link again and where else they can connect with you. Yeah, so hungryforhappiness.com slash book. All things breathwork are at pausebreathwork.com. All things food and body are at hungryforhappiness.com. And I'm super active on Instagram. So come over, come say hi drop me a gift. Do what you got to do over there. I I love hanging out (laughs) over there. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you, love. Take care.